In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're very welcome to the Brendan Option. Coming to you courtesy of Immaculata Productions, I'm Father Brendan Kilcoyne. If you like our work, would you please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to support our work financially, would you uh, have a look into sending us something through PayPal or Patreon. Prayers are needed all the time for work like this, as is constructive criticism. So the comments section, if you have a bit of time. But subs the subscribe button, please. The Feast of Christ the King. Okay, initially it might seem a bit, the, you know, a, a bit difficult to explain nowadays. It's not Christ the President. It's not Christ the Managing Director. It's not Christ the Chairman of the Pastoral Council. It's Christ the King. I mean, what does that word, what does that word s sum up to you? I, I have a memory in Maynooth of of uh, watching um, people in the dram sock prepare prepare for something they were doing. I think I think it was I think it was Michael Harding, the journalist, who was producing that, and he got them all to stand on a chair and jump off the chair, shouting "King." It's a remarkable word, yeah. I always think, king, yeah, king. The expression of power. The Feast of Christ the King is extraordinary because it is a vulnerable king. It's a crucified king. It is crucified power. It is enough power to explode the universe, crucified by human beings. The kingship of Christ is a kingship of love. Now that sounds like something I've picked up off the back of a greeting card. It is a kingship of absolute power, allowing weakness and sinfulness to take hold of it and do its absolute worst to it. That is the feast of Christ the King. This is a king who does not go about surrounded by his royal guards, by the king's guard, if you're following games of Game of Thrones. This is a king who is, is, is available to be approached and available to be hurt. And we have hurt him. What do we mean by this, this, this feast of Christ the King? If he is our King, this suffering King, the wounded King, the King in Gethsemane, the King on Golgotha, then the King of the Resurrection, if he is our King, how should this look, as they say nowadays? You know, how would this look if we did it? This kingdom business. You have a King, you have a kingdom. Okay, how would it look? Well, if we're celebrating the Feast of Christ the King, we should certainly be, be celebrating uh, evidence of his reign. And if there isn't evidence of his reign, well, I think that raises serious questions for us. So as, as I've been saying already in the forthcoming Synod, a huge issue in the forthcoming Synod, is the um, 
Well, it's the revelation of and the spread of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that kingdom must be social, political. It must, it must infuse every aspect of life. Does that mean the priests become politicians? No. Lay people are politicians. It's up to lay people to run the world. But it does mean the priest must sketch in, yeah, the Holy Father is doing this, it must sketch in the broad, the broad outline. Okay. There is no point in talking about the Feast of Christ the King and celebrating it if we're not actually trying to treat each other with some fairness. And in, in this sense, in this sense, I have to say that the whole LGBTQ thing is not without foundation. And we have to examine our conscience as to what ways in the past did we mistreat people? Did we other them? Did we push them out on the basis of the fact that they were different? The Feast of Christ the King celebrates difference, but it is a difference which is called to unite in a magnificent, kaleidoscopically coloured and changing unity of one, of God's will animating and lighting up the individualities of everyone, every human being on the face of this earth. The Feast of Christ the King is a call to personal, how would you put it, to personal fealty to Christ. Have you accepted Christ as your king? Now, you would say back to me, this is an out-of-date concept. Well, well, it's not. Because anything that's going on with the royal family in England generally brings countries to a standstill. So clearly it's not. The romance of kingship has never died. We have a tremendous longing to be led by somebody of perfect integrity and power to help us. Democracy is an elaborate attempt to put into political form the fact that human beings seem to be almost incapable of coping with that power. Indeed, are incapable of coping with absolute power. But God is not. God doesn't need democracy. Democracy is a very untidy system. It's just the only system that can seem to, to keep the vampire in its coffin. It's the only system that can, that can somehow discipline our, our tendency to power, that can stop power from poisoning us. But God isn't poisoned by power. We can subject ourselves with absolutely complete calmness and tranquility and confidence to the rule of God who loves us completely and who intends the salvation of the whole world. I mean, if you read C.S. Lewis, if you read Tolkien, you can see in those remarkable works of Christian romanticism a passionate longing for kingship, a passionate longing for the return of the king. Hmm? A tremendous longing. But yet we know at the same time that absolute kings, czars, kaisers, all tended to abuse their power. 
is the true king we long to come back. We long for the reign of the true king. We need it spiritually. We need it emotionally. That's the feast of Christ the King. It is Christ who, it is Christ who rules over us and feeds us emotionally, physically, spiritually, socially. And it is revealing the kingdom in the world around us. Can we change all the systems in the world to make them fairer and better? That's not for me to say. A priest doesn't cross into these things. It is for me to say that we are obliged to uh, treat others with justice. And we are obliged to find ever better ways of doing that. And in doing that, we reveal the kingdom. And we reveal the, the rule of Jesus Christ, socially, politically, in every sense. Is the world opposed to that rule? Yes, it's opposed to that rule. The world which God loves and for which he has died. The world which he has redeemed is opposed to that rule. Because the old Adam doesn't die. The serpent doesn't die. It's still there. This is a struggle that we have to continue with for the once and future king, as they used to say about the Stuarts. This is a struggle to, to bring back the king, to bring God, as it were, visibly, tangibly into this world we're in. When people have meaningful work, Decent jobs that pay decent wages, you have a partial revelation of the kingdom when they have when they have health care. Now there are any number of ways to do that. You don't have to have health care contro controlled by the government. You don't have to have it controlled by the state. There are any number of ways to do that, but we need health care. Okay, we need we need access to medicine. However, that's managed. You need a minimum of 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 some sort of security to live a good life. I hope very much that the forthcoming Synod actually takes as its, as its rallying call, long live the King, that it takes as its rallying call the kingship of Jesus Christ, the return of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom. The Empire strikes back. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.